0: SECTION TWENTY-FIVE OF BY THE MARSHES OF MINUS This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org BY THE MARSHES OF MINUS BY SIR CHARLES G. D. ROBERTS THE EYE OF Glooskap, PART THREE A hundred years had rolled down the hillsides of the Gasparo and out across the minus tides into the fogs and hollows of the past, and still the patch of diked land at the creek's mouth was lit by the unsearchable luster of the eye of Glooskap. As for the various distinguished scientists who undertook to unravel the mystery, either much study had made them blind or the lights were unpropitious, for not one of them ever attained to a vision of the violet gleam they went away with laughter on their lips. One spring there came to Grand Pre a young Englishman named bras a long-limbed, ample chested youth with whitish hair and ruddy skin and clear, straightforward blue eyes. Bras was resolved to learn farming in a new country, so he bought an old farm on the uplands with an exhausted orchard and was for a time surprised at the infertility of the soil. Gradually he made himself master of the situation and of some more desirable acres, and also, incidentally, it seemed, of the affections of a maiden who lived not far from Grand Prix. To Tugald MacIntyre had prospered again when the eye of Glooskap no longer looked malignantly on his fortunes, and to his descendants he had left one of the finest properties within view of Blameden. It was Jesse MacIntyre, his great-grandchild, who had captured the heart of young Debra. One rosy September afternoon, as Jesse stood in the porch where the wild grapes clustered half-ripe, the young Englishman came swinging his long legs up the slope, sprang over the fence between the apple trees, and caught the maiden gleefully in his arms. "'Congratulate me, Mistress McIntyre,' he cried as the girl pushed him away in mock disapproval. "'I have just made a bargain, a famous bargain, a thing I never did before in my life.' "'Good boy,' replied Jessie, standing tiptoe to pat the pale brush of her lover's well-cropped hair. "'Good boy. We'll make a blue nose of you yet. And what is this famous bargain, may I ask?' "'Why, I've just bought what so many of your fellow countrymen call the new mash," answered Bras. "'I have got it for twenty dollars an acre, and it's worth a hundred any day. I've got the deed and the thing's an accomplished fact.' Jessie looked grave and removed herself from her lover's embrace in order to lend impressiveness to her words. Oh, Jack, Jack, she said, you don't know what you've done. You have become a man of destiny, which I don't believe you want to be at all. You have bought the star. You've made yourself the master of the witch's stone. You have summoned the eye of Glooskap to keep watch upon you critically. In fact, it would take a long time to tell you all you have done. "'But one thing more you must do. "'You must get rid of that famous bargain of yours without delay. "'I'm not superstitious, Jack, but truly, in this case, I am disturbed. "'Bad luck, horrid bad luck, has always befallen any man owning that piece of marsh, "'for the marsh contains the witch's stone, "'and a spell is on the man that possesses that fatal jewel.' "'Jack de Bras laughed and recaptured the maiden. "'All right,' said he. "'If a man mustn't possess it, I shall give it away to a woman. "'How will that suit you, my lady?' "'Jesse looked dubious, but said anything would be better than for him to keep it himself, "'whereupon the young man continued. "'Put on your hat, then, and come down into the village with me, "'and I will forthwith transfer the property, with all appurtenances thereof, "'to Jesse McIntyre, spinster, of the parish of Grand Prix, "'county of kings, province of Nova Scotia.' in Her Majesty's Dominion of Canada, and the Eye of Glooskap will find something better to keep watch upon than me. To this proposal, Miss Jessie, being in the main a very level-headed young lady, in spite of her little superstitions, assented without demur, and the two proceeded to the village. On the way thither and back, Deborah learned all the history of the star on the marsh, as I have endeavoured to unfold it in the preceding pages.' As it happened, however, there was no mention of Pierrot de Barra's surname in Jessie's account. Marie Beaugrand, she spoke of, but Marie's fiancé, the last finder of the amethyst, she simply called Pierrot. "'But have you yourself ever seen the sinister glory you describe?' asked de Bras, as they neared the McIntyre home. Jessie's story had interested him keenly. He was charmed with the tale as constituting at least a notable bit of folklore.' "'Of course I've seen it,' replied Jessie, almost petulantly. "'I dare say I can show it to you now. "'Let us go to the top of the hill yonder, where that old poplar stands up all by itself. "'That tree is a relic of the Acadians, and the eye watches it, I fancy, when it has nothing better to look at.' "'When the lovers reached the hilltop and paused beside the ancient and decaying poplar, "'the sun had just gone down, behind North Mountain,' and a sombre splendour flooded the giant brow of Blomedon. The girl pointed toward the mouth of the creek. Debra could not restrain a cry of astonishment. From just inside the dike, in a deep belt of olive shadow, came a pale, fine violet ray, unwavering and inexplicable. Presently he remarked, "'That is a fine gem of yours, my dear, and if I owned such a treasure I shouldn't leave it lying around in that careless fashion.' "'Who knows what might happen to it way down there on the new marsh? "'What if a gull now should come along and swallow it, "'to help him grind his fish-bones?' "'Don't be silly, Jack,' said the girl, "'her eyes dilating as she watched the mystic beam. "'You know you don't half like the look of it yourself. "'Makes you feel uncanny, and you're just talking nonsense "'to make believe you don't think there's anything queer about it. "'Quite the contrary, I assure you, O Mistress of the Witch Stone." "'Oh, senesher of the eye of Glooskap," answered Debra. "'I am, indeed, so much impressed that I was taking pains to remind the powers of the transfer I have just effected. "'I desire to hide me from the eye of Glooskap by taking refuge behind a certain little spinster's petticoats.' "'There was a long silence while Debra kept gazing on the mystic gleam as if fascinated.' At last Jessie made a move, as if she thought it was time to return to the house, whereupon the young man, waking out of his fit of abstraction, said slowly, Do you know? It seems to me now as if you'd been telling me an old story. I feel as if you had merely recalled to my memory incidents which I had long forgotten. I remember it all now, with much that I think you did not tell me, Looking at that strange point of light, I have seen... Did you tell me anything of an old man dying in a boat and being brought to shore just as Marie was leaving for the ship? That is a scene that stands out upon my memory sharply now. And did you say anything about an old priest? I saw him leaning over the side of the boat and slipping something into Marie's sack. No, said Jessie. I didn't tell you any of that, though it all happened, as you say. "'Let us go home, Jack. It frightens me terribly. "'I wish you hadn't bought that, Marsh.' "'And she clung, trembling to the young man's arm. "'But what can it mean?' persisted Debra as they descended the hill. "'Why should I think that I was there when it all happened? "'That it all happened to me, in fact. "'My grandmother was of French blood, perhaps Acadian blood, "'for my grandfather married her in the West Indies.' After the exile, the Acadians, you say, were scattered all over the face of the new world. Can there be in my veins any of the blood of that unhappy people? Jessie stopped short and looked up at her lover's face. Why, your name, she cried, it sounds as if it might have been French once. My grandfather's name was Manor Sutton, responded Debra, musing. My father had to take my grandfather's name to inherit some property in Martinique. I, of course, pronounce my name in English fashion, but it is spelled just as my father's was, D-E-S-B-R-A. As the young Englishman gave his name its French accent and pronunciation, Jessie uttered a little cry of intelligence and wonder. She looked at her lover a moment in silence and then said very slowly, very deliberately, pausing for every word to tell. The name of Marie's lover, the young man who found the witch's stone, was Pierrot de Barat. E-E-S-E-A-R-A-T You are none other, Jack, than the great-grandson of Marie and Piero. Truly, said De when I come to think of it, the name was spelled that way once upon a time. Well, you shall not be a man of destiny, Jack," exclaimed the girl. "I won't have it. But as for me, that is another matter. We shall see if the eye of Glooskap has any malign influence over me." End of section 25. Read by Sandra, Parsborough, Nova Scotia, 2022.